Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week me and a panel of guests discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars to Supernatural to The Office to cosplay to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. This is Erin. Just a quick note. Um, this is going to be part one of two parts for our cult films episode. We started recording this and we just went long and had so much great information to talk about that I decided to divide it, to divide it up into two episodes. Um, and part two, hopefully, will be dropping on Thursday. It'll be Friday at the latest. Uh, so I just I want to thank you again for listening and I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Thanks so much. Take care. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week is going to be a fun one. We're going to be talking about cult films, which I know can mean different things to different people. Um, And we have a great panel of guests on, a huge panel, four people joining me. Um, So before we get into all things cult films, talk about our definition of that, our favorites and such, I'm going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing right now in pulp pulp culture, excuse me, or fan that they're excited about right now. Go ahead and start with you, Carla. Hi, I'm Carla Themis, and I am currently super into Birds of Prey, the movie, because I just (sighs) never caught on to the comics. But it is (laughs) an awesome film. If you haven't watched it already, go watch it now. If you've watched it already, go watch it for the second, third, fourth, and fifth (laughs) times. (laughs) Yeah, I've got to see that. I really want to see it. And It is so good. Yeah, and I was so sad because last weekend I didn't, get to see it and I got an, and I was invited to be on a podcast to talk about it but I hadn't oh, seen it yet no. I was so bummed um but yeah so I'm hoping I can see that soon has everybody else seen it or no I haven't seen it yet. no I haven't either I haven't seen it either all <laughs> yeah we, we've got all go it. see it, it yeah but yeah okay and then uh Rebecca hi I'm Rebecca Jacobson um I would say that a it's kind of difficult for me to think of a pop culture item that I'm enjoying right now. So I think I will go with the music of Billie Eilish, which uh, Mm. was, she was nominated recently for an Oscar. And that's when I started like listening to more of her music than just bad guy. I've been really impressed with her. So if you haven't checked out the rest of her musical catalog, you should very talented young woman. Yeah, and she just won a bunch of Grammys too. Yes, right? yes, she did. I didn't. I didn't know she was nominated for yes, Oscar. I, yeah, but again, I didn't watch the Oscars this okay. year. <laughs> well, she well she sang the in memoriam song. Yes, she uh, yes yeah. she did. She's, okay, so oh. it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. She was saying that. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> oh. Like, well. Well, I was I was like, oh, she was, and then I went, oh, wait, it was the in memoriam song. Yeah, and music is a pop culture is a pop culture item. (laughs) All right, that's that's cool. Okay, and then Sasha. Um, so I 
was sick last the week before last like dying sick and uh i found lock and key on netflix lock and key is based on the joe hill stephen king's son uh graphic novel series comic series um so if you have not seen lock and key and you like kind of funky uh mystery thriller not quite horror but kind of fun stuff uh, i highly recommend lock and key yeah I've, I've heard a lot of people are into that one so yeah i listened to my husband and i on one of our road trips listened to the uh audio version of it and they did it like a radio drama so everybody had their own voice they had sound effects and everything and it was excellent um huh. and then i saw this come out and i was like oh that's happening <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Okay. And then um, Susie. Oh, yes. Hello. I'm Susie Segura and a piece of pop culture-ness that I've been <laughs> enjoying recently is um, I've been rewatching uh, BBC's Ghosts. Hmm. And essentially it's this, it's like, like, I think it's like six episodes, a TV show that is made by the same like comedy sketch group that did Horrible Histories. <laughs> which uh, Horrible Histories is kind of like an educational like kids TV show but the humor is just it's like I really resonate with it and it's really great and the actors are just amazing and they decided to do a new TV show well Ghost and it's really entertaining because it's essentially ghosts from different time periods (laughs) ranging from cavemen to um, I think the Second World War (laughs) And they're just, it's kind of like them, it kind of goes through how they're all living in this house and they're trying to deal with having living humans in their space and kind of the relationships there. It's really funny. Huh. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. And did you say, I'm sorry, cut out a little bit there, Susie. Did you say that they, the people who wrote it wrote a comic book or they were, what was it you were saying? Oh, they did like a, like a nut, like a a kid's TV show previously. Horrible histories, and it's it's a lot of fun. Like I re- really recommend both shows because they're one is really educational and really funny, and the other one's just fun. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of either one of those, so I'll have to I'll have to put that down. It sounds a little bit like Drunk History, essentially, but okay. for kids. <laughs> <laughs> drunk History without the alcohol. <laughs> yeah, it's like history less boozy. <laughs> I mean. And, like, all the sketches are really fun, and they also do, like, parody songs as well, which are also a hoot. (laughs) Sounds amazing. Cool. Well, and this is Erin, and you'll probably notice a theme in a lot of the stuff I recommend is usually, like, movies, especially smaller movies, um, or movies that aren't getting as much attention. Um, And that's going to be the same thing today, and people who on here probably saw me talk about it last night. But I'm going to recommend the movie The Photograph, which is a love story um, that stars um, 
oh my gosh, why is my mind just leaving me today? But it stars Lakeith <laughs> Stanfield and um, Issa Rae. And um, it's also, it's it's like parallel. It's like you see um, Issa Rae's mother and her love story in um, Louisiana. And then you see Issa Rae's love story in the present day. Um, the Louisiana stuff is in the 80s, late 80s. Um, and it's just, it's really, the, the way I describe it is it's like watching a piece of art. It's just so beautiful to watch. It's kind of luscious. <laughs> um, and the score is amazing. And it's just a quiet film. Not a lot happens. Um, but it's just a really lovely love story. And it's just very much about, um, you know, uh, giving as much energy to love as you do to other things and not being afraid to love. Um, and the other nice surprise on there is everybody knows I've talked about this guy endlessly, but, uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is in it, which I did not know he was in it. And so that was a lovely, wonderful surprise because he's just amazing. Um, but it's just it's just a really really great film. Everybody's good in it, um, and I and sadly there weren't too many people in the audience when I went to see it. Um, so I really just encourage people to see movies like this, smaller movies, especially we need more um, romances featuring people of color. Plus, we just need more movies that are smaller and more intimate, in my opinion. Absolutely um, agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we don't they don't get enough audience unfortunately sometimes so they please go out <laughs> what was that i said they need love yes films yes. need your love <laughs> yes yes and this is a love story so <laughs> so i mean it's valentine's day weekend so go out there when we're recording this go out there and see the photograph um i highly recommend that one okay so now we're going to dive into cult films so if you don't really know what cult films are it's kind of a broad term um, a big definition that Wikipedia gives is that it's a film that it's any film that has a cult following. Um, it's not easily defined though, and it can be applied to a wide variety of films. Um, usually definitions exclude films that have been released by major studios or have big budgets, um, or that try to specifically become cult films or become accepted by mainstream audiences and critics. Although sometimes there are films, you know, that have, uh, a bigger budget and released by major studio have big stars that can stuff such as like fight club that do end up having, um, you know, a cult following or are considered a cult film by some people. Um, they actually are defined by the audience reaction as much as by their content. So this may take the form of elaborate and ritualized audience participation, film festivals, cosplays and stuff. Um, but I want to read sort of a quote, a quote from uh, someone named Alex Cox, who it was an introduction to the wicker man or on movie drome in 1988. This is how he sort of defined cult film. He's, this is his quote, or I believe it's a man. Sorry. I should have, Look that up, but it's uh, what is a cult film? A cult film is one that has a passionate following but does not appeal to everybody. So James Bond movies are not cult films, but Chainsaw movies are. Just because a movie is a cult film does not automatically guarantee quality. Some cult movies are very bad. Others are very, very good. Some make an awful lot of money at the box office. Others make no money at all. Some are considered quality films. Others are exploitation. So it's so as you can tell, it's just got a wide um, it covers a wide 
variety of films. So what uh, what we're going to do is we're going to first, there's, since there are such a wide variety, we're going to sort of go over the different types of cult films um, and then have everybody kind of say if they have any that kind of fit into that definition, into that mold. Um, and then we'll go around and if there's ones that maybe not don't fit into one of those, mention those as well. So we'll start with probably one that everybody kind of thinks of the so bad it's good films. Um, so Carla, do you have a favorite that fits into that category? Not only do I have a favorite, <laughs> I actually specialize in this particular category <laughs> because pretty much anybody I've known my entire life has told me, oh, wow, Carla likes it. Therefore, it's probably crappy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this also goes for a friend of mine who was my partner in movie going for a long time. He actually introduced me to The Evil Dead which many consider to be a lousy film, but it's actually brilliant. So, like, could people, like, not? Um, <laughs> I agree with but, you there, Carla. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, th that's kind of, like, my favorite thing. Um, like, Dude, Where's My Car? It's a terrible <laughs> movie that I adore. In the same vein, A Night at the Roxbury is probably my number one favorite movie of all time. So, and and that's one that, you 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 know maybe you guys would watch it no but um, <laughs> I, I think most people who watch it are like what is wrong with you and I'm like what is wrong with you for not understanding the beauty of this brotherly relationship <laughs> but th th that's my, my my kind of um of so bad it's good movie it's that uh it's so out there uh the people kind of um go hard in these movies <laughs> they live in this world so fully and they just embrace the hell out of these hammy performances but there's like a heart to them and, and, and just like a real uh they seem to enjoy it i sure as hell enjoy it um but yeah long answer short or short answer <laughs> whatever it went long but a night at the roxbury would sum it up for me and I was like, I know Carla's going to mention that movie at some point. I'm like, this is probably what she's <laughs> I just watched that movie, as you know, about a month ago or so, because I'm doing that 365-day movie challenge. And I, that's a movie that I've been avoiding. But I know you said it's like your favorite movie. And I saw it. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll give it a chance. And it's actually a lot better than you think it's going to be. <laughs> I think. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of times the Saturday Night Live movies can be bad but I, yeah but i yeah, yeah i i i enjoyed that one and i agree about i think the first evil dead is actually kind of creepy um and yeah. i think evil dead 2 is i prefer evil dead 2 to evil dead um personally but but i think those are great movies in and of themselves and i think they inspired a lot so yeah so those are good choices oh yeah for sure okay uh I do think that there are some of these movies that will cross those categories because yeah. you mentioned mm -hmm. evil, like the first evil dead as being one of the so bad it's good, but it also fits under that B horror movie category, mm -hmm. which I agree. I also think that evil dead is brilliant. And I remember the first time that I watched it because I was watching it. I'd never seen it before. It was one that I had heard from friends for years. You have to see evil dead. I had already seen Army of Darkness oh, yeah. <laughs> at a midnight screening that I went to with other friends. So I didn't really know that that was part of a series. <laughs> oh, wow. So, uh, 
Absolutely. So I was I was watching Evil Dead in my apartment by myself with the lights off, and I lived on the first floor. And <laughs> somebody was trying to like get in the building, and they my my apartment was near the door, and so they knocked on my window in the middle. Of the <laughs> oh oh no. no! I screamed and jumped out of my couch. <laughs> permanently like burned the movie into my mind as like this is actually one of the scariest movies to ever be made <laughs> <laughs> I love it That's but funny. it still scares me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and um, are there are there any for Army of Darkness sorry I'll just briefly mention on our Facebook page that was one that someone did mention and that they would go to movie you know midnight screenings of it like I think they said it was their first time they'd seen it or one of their first times they'd seen it and everybody knew all the words to it. And so it was like a really fun experience. I think seeing any of, unfortunately I haven't seen any of the, well, no, that's not true. I saw um, Baba Hotep is the only Bruce Campbell movie. Uh, yeah, Baba yeah, that Hotep. Movie is so good. That movie is so, that movie is a really, really good movie. And honestly, if that was a bigger mainstream movie, I think Bruce Campbell would have been nominated for an Oscar, which he would have deserved. I think so yeah. too. I mean, one of the best Elvis I've ever seen on film. So oh, man, yeah, that's, that's a good movie. But, but anyway, but, um, but I just think his movies would be really fun to see with a huge crowd and seeing them do that. Um, do you have any other so bad it's good movies that you love, Rebecca? Oh yes, um, and I think Carla brought up a really good point about what makes those so bad it's good movies appealing because it. I, so I studied film in in college, and these are definitely movies that you look at and you're like, "This is all wrong. <laughs> like everything you've done here is wrong." Um, but one of my favorites is Plan Nine from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Wood film, mm-hmm. uh, which also it basically inspired the movie Ed Wood. Um, and Carla brought up that I think what makes these movies so appealing is that they may not be like produced well. The special effects may be terrible. The acting may be stilted. The writing may not make any sense. But there is. <laughs> there is so much love that has gone into it and the people in it are really in it that you can't help but love that they're showing off this much passion for it and I think that's what that's what I always got from plan nine from outer space because yeah it is a, a textbook definition of all the the things you're not supposed to do in a movie and like really big obvious mistakes down to like seeing the wires holding up the little <laughs> spaceship mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Bella Lugosi died shortly into making the movie but rather than you know cut him out of the film they just replaced him with another actor who is entirely different looking from him he's like a foot taller <laughs> Instead of makeup for that, they just have him hold a cape in front of his face the entire time. It's there's just so much in that movie that you're like, this should be. I should hate this, but I don't. I am loving every minute of this because the director clearly had so much love for this. Mm -hmm. I think the room also fits in that category. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 
mm-hmm. where this was this was Tommy Wiseau's vision. This was his baby, and it may be it may make no sense, but you can see how much love he had for it, and that carries the yeah. entire movie. Yeah, that's 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 a big one, and that's a big one that does the midnight screenings as well. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's 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 a huge a huge one for sure. Which I haven't seen that one. I I've got to see that at some point. But yeah, that's that's one. And I I only want to see it at a midnight screening. I don't want to watch it just to just like just by itself. It. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather see it at a. Mid- I've seen clips, but I'd rather see it at the midnight screening. Um, and then Sasha, do you have any so bad it's good? Um, add in that haven't been mentioned yeah yeah i'm gonna make a hard left here on y'all so i'm <laughs> i'm gonna throw out two completely opposite um movies so the first one is uh really and if my husband listens to this he's gonna murder me um death race 2000 <laughs> um I've not heard of this one. Oh god all right no. it's it's uh uh sylvester stallone and I'm blanking on his name. Um, basically, it's a cross-country oh, okay. race, and you get points for running people over. Um, oh <laughs> so Grand Theft it, Auto. Is, it is Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> um, it's real bad. And it's that kind of like when you hit somebody, you can tell that somebody's standing there with a garden hose of red liquid, so it looks like it's copious <laughs> amounts of blood. You know, it's like real bad special effects. Um, so yeah, I'm going to throw out Death Race 2000, and then, um, this one kind of could go B-horror, it could kind of go camp, but it's more like a revenge horror, and it's the old, um, I Spit on Your Grave. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that one, but I mean, to, yeah. I keep meaning to. Yeah, so that, um, I think those are two of those that are just, it's real bad, but I, if I catch it at any point, I, I, I watch it because I, it's just, it's one of those things. So yeah, I spit on your grave and uh, death race 2000. <laughs> there you go. Those are awesome. And, and Susie, do you have any so bad it's good ones that you love that are your favorites? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, I can't list them all because we might be here a while. <laughs> okay. Um, I do. Uh, like, well, like the two jump to mind, like right off the bat, for hero movies, and <laughs> one of them being a woman movie. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. oh. It was such a misfire. Uh-huh. Oh. Because oh gosh, they went from like Michelle Pfeiffer to to like Halle Berry, and it took them like ten years or so or something to make this movie, and the CGI is just atrocious. And just the fact that within the movie there is a scene where she goes, "Get me a white Russian, hold the Russian, and just drinks milk, <laughs> and just drinks milk." <laughs> She's eating tuna out of a can. Yes. <laughs> Oh gosh, yes. That's kind of the reason why I started eating sushi as a kid because I wanted to recreate <laughs> that scene. <laughs> That's awesome. And one of the others is well, Batman and Robin, the Joel Schumacher. Oh yeah, oh. classic. <laughs> All the nipples and the butt, <laughs> the, butt the bat nips, the 
back crack. <laughs> the Mr. Freeze puns. Are oh my gosh, yes. God awful, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. amazing. The bat, <laughs> what's it, the bat MasterCard. Oh, oh yes, the, yes, yeah. Never leave without it. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a lot. They're... <laughs> and I, I dressed up as um, um, Poison Ivy because of that film because I, I'm a huge George Clooney fan. I've been a George Clooney fan since he was on Facts of Life. That's how much I love George Clooney. And so that was, so I was like, I knew it was a bad movie while I was watching it, but I'm like, no, this is actually a good movie. But so I dressed up as Poison Ivy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it just has so many good elements. Like when Poison Ivy kisses Robin and he just like peels his lips off. (laughs) And that reminds me of that, like, you know, that thing that you would do as a kid where you would, where you would spray the glue out on your hand and then you yes yes <laughs> you peel it off. <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember those things. That was, that was fun. That's fun. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, and poor Halle Berry. I really, you know, I I feel for her because I think after she won the Oscar, I think it's been really hard for her to find work or to be respected yeah. in Hollywood. And I, I really, I think if she had had a better script, a better director or something like that, oh, she would have been a great I cat woman. I mean, she's, sure. I mean, she's perfect for the role. So yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, um, well, like Zoe Kravitz is like the new cat woman. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't wait to see how, how that goes and hopefully people can kind of like see Catwoman for the really horrible but great masterpiece that it was it's just this is, this is just, I maybe it's just a bias because I grew up watching it but I really liked it I, just, I thought it was cool it's like the music the outfit was fun just the fact that her shoes are like made little open toes to look like paws or something it's just it's <laughs> and the fact that she has diamond claws how oh, yeah. can you get <laughs> it's great but what yeah. I do think is funny about that is that when she got I think she got the Oscar mm-hmm. for another movie and then she was nominated for a Razzie and won that so when she went to accept the Razzie she was real wasted <laughs> just went up oh, and really? said, I didn't see that. thank you for Warner Brothers for talking me into this horrible movie <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she won the Oscar for uh, Monsters Ball. Yeah, so, just yeah, Monday, yeah, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I know um, Sandra Bullock's done that before too. Accepted her Razzie, so I, th- I think it's cool when they do kind of accept when they accept those kind of yeah. you know poking fun at themselves. But yeah, cool. Um, well, that's cool. I, I'm glad to see some comic book movies on there. I didn't know we we would have that, so that's awesome. Um, and for me, for So Bad It's Good, uh, number one is Killer Clowns from Outer Space, um, <laughs> which I rewatched last night in preparation for this. But um, yeah, I used to watch that when I would stay home sick from school. Um, I used to watch that one. That was one of those like go to ones. Um, and it is it's so bad. I mean, that is a legitimately awful, horrible movie. The acting is just so awful and bad and the the special effects and you know, it's just not scary in the least bit. Um, even though clowns are scary, they're still not scary, to, at least to me, in that movie at all. Um, and, of course, it's got that amazing, you know, theme song. <laughs> so that's 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 one that always, whenever I think of So Bad, it's good. That's the first one that pops into my head is that one, um, which I've seen countless times. I can't even 
tell you how many times. Um, and then another one, and this is one that's a really smaller movie, but I, but I know it's got a little bit of a, of a following and it's this movie that's really hard to find. So if you ever find it, I highly recommend it because it also fits into the B horror genre. Um, and it's called blood diner. Um, and it's all basically, it's these guys open up a diner and they have this, um, packed with basically Satan kind of thing. And they end up serving like a lot of, they, they serve human meat. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, and and there's this brain that talks and it's in a jar and it's just a bizarre movie. I recommend just going and finding the trailer because the trailer is fits the tone of the whole film and it's a great trailer. You can find it on YouTube. Um, But that one's one that I always kind of recommend when somebody's looking for something that's a B horror film that maybe they haven't heard of before. And I think I saw it because it was on cable sometime or something, or I rented it or something like that. But um, yeah, it's, that's one that I really recommend. That's a great one. Cause a lot of my so bad it's good are usually um, B horror films. Um, But I'm sure that there are other ones I could think of too, that are like ones that people, you know, that critics panned, like, you know, like, um, Batman and Robin, while I don't like it anymore, I, like I said, I liked it at that time. A lot of that had to do with my love for George Clooney, (laughs) (laughs) which speaking of George, we all have our, (laughs) our such movies that we watched and pretended to love because of their protagonists. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like he was also ourselves. They were great. And then later on, yeah, because he was also in, you know, um, one of the the killer tomatoes ones and then he like the second one and then he was also in return to horror high which is another really horrible awful b horror mm. film <laughs> so that that's another one um and then um you know it kind of fits into this because it was panned and it was it is ne- it isn't necessarily like a great movie although i think it's become a great movie but i think rocky horror picture show fits in here i just want to mention that one briefly cuz i know everybody's going to be like how can you not mention that one? And I don't know if anybody was going to put it in a different category. So if you were, then we'll get back to it. But I just wanted to, we're going to do a whole episode on Rocky horror in August, the end of August. Um, So, but yeah, that's definitely one that, you know, was, you know, a failure, all this stuff. And it became, of course, the most recognized cult movie. I would say that's probably the most recognized cult movie uh, around the world. So as everybody knows, so we'll probably get, to that again in this episode and if not we're gonna have a whole episode dedicated to it um i would agree and, with that assessment yeah that it's probably yeah. the most recognized when you think of a cult film you think of rocky horror picture show that's one of the first things that comes mm-hmm. to mind for sure yeah yeah and um i'll just briefly touch on and these aren't necessarily mine but just um another one is uh showgirls is listed as one of those that's so bad it's good yes. i guess that's that's kind of gotten one and i remember <laughs> I remember seeing that movie in the theater. I went to go see it because I, I, I was like, oh, it's NC-17. And this is the first NC-17 movie I could go see. And that was a very <laughs> weird experience seeing that movie in the theater because there was literally a man in the theater by himself in a trench coat. I am not joking. Oh, my no. God. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. So that was – so me and my friend were like, okay, this is bizarre. Anyway, so that's that's another one that's mentioned um, under lists of ones so bad it it's good. Um, I would argue it's not necessarily good, <laughs> but you know, there's the swimming pool scene is what everybody always talks about. Um, so if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about the, the mm-hmm. sex and the swimming pool scene. 
Um, okay. And um, floppy fish. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, another kind of going on the other um, end of this, um, movies that are so good, like are really legitimately good films, but for one reason or another, they failed at the box office, um, but they found an audience afterwards. Um, of course, um, uh, well, actually, I won't mention this because I don't know if anyone else is going to mention this film, but I mean, I'll go around and I'll start with you, Carla. Do you have any that were like box office failures, but are actually really, really good films that you want to mention? I do, but I don't want to steal yours. And I know which one's going to be. <laughs> so I really don't want to do that to you. Well, thank oh, you. What, what if neither, what if no one else knows? Oh, no, Erin knows. Yeah, yeah, I know which one but, she's going to say. <laughs> yes, so I, I, I will save that one for you. And um, I, I think that there are just like a lot of movies that fit this category. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, I know. I, I think at the time when it came out, Clueless was seen as, you know, just you know, frothy bubblegum, whatever, mm-hmm. and it wasn't seen necessarily as uh, the very incisive and very interesting film that it that it was that has become to this day. Now that you know that the prejudice against teenage led movies has kind of waned, yeah. But it was a really, it was a great film. That was disregarded uh, critically, I think. I, I mean, I wasn't really paying attention to what critics were saying back then, so <laughs> I could be totally wrong. <laughs> In which case, my bad. But uh, my recollection was that people saw it as just, you know, Alicia Silverstone being cute and, and, and peppy and dressing well and all of the other kids and blah, blah, blah. And no kids really talk like this because kids are, you know, teenagers are not that bright. But looking back on it years later, I, I think we can really say that it really captures what it's what it feels like to be a teenager, discovering your first love and feeling like a grown up before you really are a grown up. Um, having these friendships mean so much to you at the time, um, coming to terms with uh, with who you are in the grand scheme of things versus who you've always thought you were. Mm-hmm. Um, and really coming to appreciate the value of the people surrounding you as more than just your personal accessories. Oh man. I love clueless. I was kind of surprised actually when I found, when I was looking at what other people considered um, cult films and found clueless on the list, it's probably because I was at the right age when it came out. I think that was the first PG 13 movie that I ever saw um, or at least one of them. And it was it was so popular amongst me and my friends. It was like, oh, of course you've seen uh, Clueless. Like that that was the quotable movie of the day. And I, yeah, come to think of it, I I'm sure that the critical reception at the time was, this is just some other teen movie. This is nothing that is going to be remembered in five years or ten years. Oh, I think that's a right. good choice, Carla. Oh. As if. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. That came out right, you know, towards the end of my high school time. So that was, that was, that was a great, and that's, I'm not a big Jane Austen fan. Um, I find those kind of boring, but this was a great way of updating the story of Emma and making it, you know, more modern and more accessible, I think. Um, 
and it was you know that that was a big trend you know was updating like a lot of Shakespeare stuff and you know things mm-hmm. and so and I think this was that was probably the best one that came out around that yeah. time so but the, the brilliance of it is that you know you could watch it and you know forget Jane Austen mm-hmm. right you know like you don't uh because I feel like a lot of times when they re- when they remake or update or whatever um it, it it's so it, it just hangs so heavy over the the film before you go to see it mm-hmm. that you it may not be and it may not feel accessible to you but this is the kind of movie where even if you've heard that it's like a Jane Austen da, 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 you can still watch the trailer and be interested in watching it versus like the Gwyneth Paltrow led version of Emma mm-hmm few years down the line than down the line that was a lot less interesting because it's like oh this is just emma yeah by jane austen yeah this is a straight adaptation as opposed to a truly modern adaptation yeah mm-hmm. it was very inventive yeah it was it was good um and rebecca do you have any that were the oh so i was again I, the some of the ones that i think fit into this category were things that I loved so much that I didn't realize they weren't things that were not well received when they came out. Um, things like Labyrinth. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. How can we forget the bully bulge? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody wanting her to forget about her little brother and just go be That's with David Bowie. <laughs> That's a character in and of itself. That's the third main character. There's Jared, Sarah, and the Bulge. Yes. <laughs> the Bulge is his own character. Like, I, I didn't necessarily see that as a kid. I actually only saw it when I was in college. And I was like, this, was, this is amazing. This is beautiful. And so I was sort of surprised to find out only after seeing it that that movie did not do well at the box office when it came out like that this only took it it took its time to find its audience and actually Mm -hmm. actually i think one of the the movies that really i would say that actually is right at the top of this category for me is monty python and the holy grail (laughs) absolutely um and this this story actually goes back to my dad uh because my love for all things Monty Python and Monty Python and the Holy Grail is one of my favorite movies of all, of all time. I have it memorized. Uh, <laughs> I, my dad is the one who introduced me to this movie and my siblings for that matter. And when he went to go see it, when it came out in theaters in 1970, whatever, um, he said that he was one of about five people in the theater when he saw it and he huh. said that he, he went to see it because he didn't have tv at the time and so he went to movies a lot and he was just rolling on the floor i thought that it was hysterical and he saw other people like getting up and walking out of the movie because <laughs> they didn't get it but my dad was like this is incredible this was so creative this was so like it was making fun of a certain genre of movies and a certain genre of documentary and British history. And it's like, I kind of looked around me like, why is nobody else getting this? <laughs> huh. So, and of course I grew up watching it and I'm, 
I'm like, oh yeah, I get this. This is hilarious. And when I got to high school, I would ask my new high school friends like, well, well, you don't know Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Well, you're coming over to my house and we're going to watch it. And they all fell in love with it too. So that when it came out to midnight screenings, I'm like, come on, everybody. It's Holy Grail time. We're going. Get, get your coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually they had, this is 12 and a half years ago. And I know this because this was, um, okay, I'll tell you why. So they had a, a showing of it and you go and you watch it and they give you coconuts to clop along with the horses, yes. right? So I went and watched it. And of course, I got my coconuts because, of course, yes. and then they were in my car forever because I wanted to find a way to hang them from like the wind, from, you know, from the front and that never really worked out. <laughs> However, their main use in my life was that when I met my husband who loved this particular movie, he saw the coconuts in my car, asked me why the hell I had coconuts in my car. I explained it to him and loved forever. Oh, <laughs> so they were an awesome match. Cool. I love oh, that's that. Awesome. Coconuts. <laughs> that's so cool. Cool. I, yeah, I went to a recent, uh, I guess, guess this is about a year and a half ago now. A friend of mine invited me to come to a special event at um, the Belco Theater downtown here in Denver because John Cleese was coming to uh, for a special screening of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, so it was a screening for the entire theater of the movie followed by a conversation with John Cleese. Um, I was like a kid <laughs> at Christmas I was so excited about this. I had a, the thing was though, is that this was, this was a very polite audience. This was not like a midnight screening audience, which was a little different for me because I was ready to start like shouting my lines and like <laughs> waving hands and things. And everybody else is sitting there very politely watching the movie. <laughs> I, it's really hard to keep all of that love inside. <laughs> else being so polite. Yes, and my friend started cracking up watching me trying to watch the movie politely because I'm mouthing all the <laughs> words and like giggling before the joke has been you know finished. He's like, "That was just really funny watching watching you watch the movie. It's <laughs> more fun than watching the movie." <laughs> that's that's awesome to see. I I love film sorry just hearing everybody gush about it because film is my favorite well film and music are my favorites so it's just awesome hearing all these great stories um and sasha do you have any that fit into this category yeah i have like my all-time favorite that i'll mention in a second but just because um rebecca mentioned labyrinth i when i I originally was like, oh, cult films, I'm super excited. And then I went, oh, crap, what if my version of cult doesn't match anybody else's? So I also Googled cult films. Um, and <laughs> I was quite surprised to learn that some of the movies that were on there. But with Labyrinth, um, the movie Legend, I don't know if oh, you guys yes. know that one. Yes. Oh, um, yes. That shows up. Oh, I used to love and that. I would, yep. yep. I would never put that as a cult movie. I feel like a bunch of the fantasy ones fall there. Like Princess Bride showed up as a cult. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that was Willy, a failure at the box yeah, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory showed up as a cult movie. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what is happening, people? Um, 
<laughs> so I just wanted to throw those out there as kind of surprises to me that they qualify as cult. But my top movie, um, and some of you know this because we talked about it, is uh, Boondock Saints. Oh, I love oh, that yeah. movie. Um, with, yeah, that is my like top. I will put that on any time of the day i will torture people and make them watch it if they haven't seen it um (laughs) i like i just i love that movie i love everything about it it what the best part is it makes fun of itself because there's the scene um there's a scene where they do this ridiculous maneuver and they come crashing through a ceiling and when the police come to the crime scene they're like you only see this in bad tv like they operate under well, we've seen it in movies, so it has to work. Um, <laughs> yes, that's what they say. What do you yes. need rope for? I don't yeah. know. You just always need it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, Charlie what Bronson. What you stupid rope for? Yep. <laughs> it's just, so I think Boondock Saints has got to be like one of my top ones that I love that movie, but I know that it was not well received. It did not do well. Um, oh, so- they did make a second one which is just yeah. as good. Um, yeah, so that's, I think that's my, to fit into this category would have to be that one. So I, I actually learned, um, so I, saw, I also saw that movie in college and I was like, this is amazing. Why did I never hear this movie before? And I went and looked up some information on it. If, okay, somebody correct me if I'm, if I'm getting this wrong, but the movie was, it was supposed to, they were making it and it was supposed to be released, I think 1999. And right about the time that they were getting ready to start advertising to release it, uh, the Columbine high school shooting happened. And they, like the studio was suddenly worried it was going to be too violent. It was Mm -hmm. too glorifying of these guys in black trench coats going and mm-hmm. shooting a bunch of people and so it got pulled it sort of did like a, a limited release which is how i think it i think that's one of the ways that it gained this cult status because you had to go find this movie it was not something that was regularly like just widely available for a long time so correct if, if i have gotten this wrong you're welcome to tweet at me later and say rebecca you have the history of this film totally wrong <laughs> but that's that's the story that i had heard um, yeah i believe that's part of it there's also a great documentary that i highly recommend called overnight and it's all about the guy who made it who's actually a complete jerk and i like that movie but he is a yeah you should he's called um yeah his name is troy duffy and he is yes. just yeah yeah and um i highly recommend watching that because that really goes over sort of what happened to the movie what happened to him why why his career basically failed because you know he was swept up by this was when this was when Miramax was known for just kind of discovering people you know like Harvey Weinstein who's a horrible human being in himself but was known for just kind of finding these people and um, I highly recommend that because that goes into that because I was a big fan of Boondock Saints also because a lot of it was the people in it I love Sean Patrick Flannery I love him a lot um and so that was a big big thing I remember watching that movie a lot it was a big popular one among me and my friends um but yeah I recommend that documentary just wanted to just say that off of that it came out in 2003 and that's just it's very interesting to watch that to see um I should ego. check that out yeah yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Um, and then, um, Susie, do you have any that fit into this one, this category? Um, well, I think, well, actually the one that like really comes to mind is, is Clue. Oh, oh yes. I love oh, yes. Well, Clue. when when it first came, well, the film is sent, if anyone hasn't seen Clue yet, listeners <laughs> and or hosts, um, the movie is like a murder mystery and there's three endings. And when it came out in theaters, what the theaters did is that essentially they, depending on which showing you went to, mm-hmm. they showed a different ending. So yep. essentially what their idea was, was that you would go watch it, uh, see the um, the ending that you got, and then it would generate enough interest, hopefully, to make moviegoers watch the other two endings. But it caused some confusion. <laughs> we're like, well, I got this ending. What did you get? Well, I got this one. What? And it just kind of didn't really help it. And mm-hmm. I think what really helped the movie was it being released, um, was like the domestic release where people could go get it and see all three and just kind of um kind of helped it helped it more than the theatrical release did but (laughs) i gotta say madeline khan is a master of what i love her yes she is amazing (laughs) then she'd be like kleenex Soft, strong, and disposable. Men are most vulnerable. Like the quips are just she. She's she's got them. She's lightning fast. I want to have that wit. It's it's amazing. She's she's mm-hmm. great. Like the whole cast is great. Tim Curry, who's oh yes, just it's it's just such a good cast, and it's all it all works really well together. They all play off each other really well. And just the comedy is amazing. And it's just, it's just a really great movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was one of those that I got to see it in the theater and I don't, I wish I could remember which ending I got. And I actually thought that was cool. I thought it was awesome to be able to get the, and I think later when I saw it on video, I was like, Oh, I wish I'd been able to see that one in the theaters. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great one. That's a really good one. And they are actually remaking that one. If people don't no. know. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. Refuse. <laughs> they should, they should leave it alone. I agree. But Hollywood, stop it. <laughs> They're going to ruin a good yeah. thing. Yes. Okay, yeah. Listen, I like Ryan Reynolds. He was good in Deadpool, but I do not know. if. Listen, if he's Mr. Green, I'm fine with that. But you can't, you just can't have anyone else be Wadsworth. That's like, mm-hmm. that's Curry. That's that's him. Yeah, yeah. that is his role. It's yeah. like if they were to remake The Labyrinth and cast Jared Leto as... as oh, God. Oh, no, don't Bye even. Son, don't put that oh. on the universe. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm drawing a comparison here. Of how I know, I know. Susie, take it back. Take it back. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> I'll just Kirby it back into... Like, oh, my God. <laughs> God, that would be horrible. Oh, my God. But like, you see what I mean? I don't think anything has inspired such a strong reaction <laughs> on this podcast as that imaginary casting. <laughs> an, imaginary ca- an imaginary nightmare casting. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's the thing with Tim Curry is I don't think there are like, there aren't 
he's in a lot of these movies <laughs> as yeah. you can tell as we've gone over yeah. and it's just so hard because like when they remade when they did the remake of rocky horror picture show you know not <laughs> a few years ago and just having anyone and tim curry was in it though he made an appearance in it he was mm-hmm. as, as the narrator but the, yeah the, 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 he was the narrator yeah and i mean so that kind of helped it a little bit, but it's still, it's just so, you can't have anyone else in that role. It's just so iconically his, the same with Roland Clue, the same with Legend, the same, you know, he's just, he's one of those actors that when he does a role, it's his, he owns it. And yeah. it's just like, hard to replace that. He becomes that character. It's just, mm-hmm. he brings that curry essence. Yeah. Yeah. He's just <laughs> such an incredible guy. Um well, mine, and I think this is probably the one that Carla was going to mention, mine, and it's my second favorite movie of all time, is uh, Donnie Darko. Um, That's the one. <laughs> which I, I'm, I'm sure I've seen Donnie Darko at least 30 times, probably more. Um, when I first saw it, it was when Netflix had just kind of come about, and I got it on DVD. Um, and it was also my introduction to Jake Gyllenhaal, which who I have just since then, I just have uh, an unwavering love for. I just love him so much. Um, and I remember I rented it, saw it, and it just I can't quite describe why the movie affected me the way it did it, it, for a lot of personal reasons. We're going to do a whole episode on it and then you'll get to hear me really talk about why it personally hit me. Um, but I remember I rented it. I watched it every day for the before I returned it, then I bought it immediately and I watched either the whole thing or at least part of it every day for like a month, I would say. Um, That's how much I loved the movie when I first saw it. So I know I've seen it over 30 times Um, and I've watched the um, DVD commentaries over again, over and over again. Um, And all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, There's really only one version of, um, how am I forgetting the song? You know, the song that plays towards the end that used to be a tears. Mad Tears. World. Oh, Thank oh, you. Yeah. God, I can't believe Mad I was forgetting World. that. Yeah, there's only, for me, there's only one version of Mad World that is the best. And that's the one that's, that's in the movie. Um, and it just, it's just, to me, it's just, it's a movie where for me, at least every time I watch it, I discover something new. Like I rewatched it last night and it, it, it you know, it just has a different resonance the older I get, I think too. Um, and of course it has that nostalgia factor because it's set in the eighties. Um, and it's just such a special, special movie. And I won't take up the rest of the podcast just talking about it because I could easily do that. Um, and that was one that was a complete, complete box office failure. And now it has a huge, huge following. I unfortunately have never seen it on the big screen. I was going to see it on the big screen a couple of years ago and ended up not being able to go. And so I'm hoping, hoping, hoping someday I get to see it. Um, and I know a lot of people go, what in the world is this movie even about? It's one of those that a lot of people don't understand what it's about. I know if you ever see the director's cut of it, which I personally didn't like as much at all, but the director's cut takes all these cut scenes from it, puts it in there, and it basically explains everything. It makes it where it's not one where you can kind of decide what you think it's about, which is why I think it's so special because some people think it's about, you know, just being a hero and time travel and all that stuff. I think it's more about mental illness. And and so people think different things about it. Um, and that's why I think it's so special. That's why I don't like the director's cut as much. Um, and also don't see the sequel. The sequel is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> um, and it's all about um, the young sister, Samantha Darko. Um, and I just, it's just, uh, it's horrible. Um, and the interesting thing about that movie is Richard Kelly. I haven't really liked any of his movies that he's done since then. Um 
I didn't, I did not like, um, the box. Well, the box was okay. It was a little bit better than Southland, oh. Southland Tales, but I really didn't like his other ones. And I know he's, I was trying to find the news on it cause I can't remember what movie it is he's doing, but he's doing, I can't remember what movie he's in though. It's, it's some autobiograph autobiography, but I can't remember which one it is right off the top of my hand. So head. So if anyone wants to let me know that, but anyway, so that's definitely my number one pick and it's my favorite cult film of all time. And it's like I said, second, second favorite film of all time. And the movie I've seen more than any other, um, is that one. Um, and a lot of the movies we've already mentioned do fit into the midnight movie thing. So we won't necessarily go over that. I just wanted to briefly mention this one because this is also another one that was a box office failure and another one of my favorites. Um, and I don't know if we've really mentioned any comedies yet or movies that are intentionally comedies. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yes, we have mentioned Night of the Roxbury. Sorry. Duh. And Clue. Uh, yeah, thank you. How dare you? Clueless. And Duh. Clueless. And okay, Clue. just ignore what I just said. And Clue, yeah. Okay, just ignore what I said. Never mind. That was stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Like I said, coffee. I need more coffee. Um, but I just wanted to mention Office Space is, is another oh, one for me. That's yes. another one of my all-time favorite movies. So, oh, I love that yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I quote that movie all the time. So, yes. uh, but yeah, that's that's a great one. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and go into ones that I never really think of, but I know that two people on here have two of these on here. I don't know if anybody else does, but nonfiction films, so documentaries. Um, and I know that uh, Rebecca and Susie have some. And I don't know, does um, Carla and Sasha, do you guys have ones in these two? Or if not, I'll jump to Rebecca. I have none. No. Okay. Okay. okay <laughs> I'm so super I'm intrigued. I know. Me too. So I'm going to jump to Rebecca. Okay. So the documentary that I mm-hmm. consider a, a cult film at this point, because I feel like I don't find very many people who have seen this movie or seen this documentary, but if you have seen it, you're like, oh my God. Yes. Grizzly <laughs> man. Oh yeah. Grizzly oh, yeah. man. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Grizzly man. Yeah. Where I, this is one, yes, I have forced people to sit down and watch this. I'm like, no, you have to see, I've watched it dozens of times. I own it. I think I own it specifically so I can make other people watch it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If you haven't seen it, um, the, this is, and this is a Werner Herzog documentary. Mm -hmm. So who's already a a famous filmmaker and famous for being kind of weird. You know gonna be good yeah exactly. <laughs> i'm gonna write this down yes yes write this down mm-hmm. but this That's is at, like as a like as somebody who studied film i also think that this is just incredibly well made too it's a, a really it is a it's not it does this definitely doesn't fit into the so bad it's good but this man's story is so like strange mm-hmm. um this is the a documentary about a man named timothy treadwell who, despite not having any professional experience with uh, wildlife, with bears, with the state of Alaska, um, made it sort of his mission in life that he was going to live with the grizzly bears on Kodiak Island. And he was going to film them and made it his mission to start educating people about grizzly bears. And the incredible part is that he got amazing footage for the years that he would spend uh, summer months living on Kodiak Island and filming the grizzly bears. He got amazing footage, but he also does things that are 
incredibly stupid <laughs> like, like he, he's filming himself like just walking up to a grizzly bear to try and pet mm-hmm. it and i'm like no 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 don't do that um there you're not steve Irwin. yeah you're not steve Irwin. <laughs> um but the uh if you do and this is not a spoiler because this is revealed very early in the documentary and if you were to google timothy treadwell this is part of why he earned a documentary about himself uh he was eaten by a grizzly mm-hmm. bear his last summer in alaska um so <laughs> he often makes lists of like darwin award winners for that reason <laughs> but this documentary is so incredible especially because he was living by himself up until the up until the year he died which he convinced his girlfriend uh to go with him uh, so he's, you know, it's part of his isolation. He's just talking to the camera and man has some very like deep confessions with himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just fascinating to watch. So if you haven't seen Grizzly Man, go see Grizzly Man, find it, stream it. I will lend you my DVD. <laughs> if you're anywhere nearby, come over to my house. We'll watch it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a really, really good documentary. And that's very much an example of why you respect nature and respect yes. animals that are wild animals. Mm-hmm. They aren't like pets. So right. yeah, that's 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 a very that's a very good and he, he's yeah, Werner Herzog is uh, I sh- I should do a whole episode on him. He's yes. really special. And he did, you know, for Parks and Rec's fan- fans out there, I don't know if you remember that he was on an episode of Parks and Rec. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he was showing um, April and Andy the home that nobody was renting that was, like, haunted, and April loved it, and it had, like, all this, yeah, it was, that was, and he said he was going to retire to Florida, I think he said in there. Yes, but so he could be yes. closer to Disney World. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and, and I'm sure that's, that's why you live there, right, Carla? <laughs> totally. That's 100% it. And we are, in fact full of people just like that yeah yeah i bet <laughs> yeah yeah just like people come to colorado for something that was legalized you know so just <laughs> <laughs> little something nothing special yeah. yeah that's a that's a great one and then Susie, what's the documentary that you have oh well you can't see it but i'm just like i'm, I'm getting ready i'm preening <laughs> <laughs> so the film the documentary film that i have is uh the 1990 or 91 uh, film Paris is Burning. Oh, oh yes. I just saw that. Yes. So for those who may not know, it's, it, it kind of will documents the bulk ball culture um, in New York Mm -hmm. city. So it, it goes into like the African-American and Latinx uh, transgender and gay communities that are all they're involved within that like culture. And so it is, it's, it's very wonderful to see all like the different like character, like the personalities and all the different like aspects and how they talk about certain things. Like, I think one of the, um, one of the people in it, her name, I think is Venus Extravaganza, which yes. is just a fabulous name. And she, she talks about how she, um, she, she's kind of, a. Uh, like a car girl, I guess you could say. And she always talks yeah. about the risk that one day a client might get 
like a mad that she's not like a doesn't have like the biological female parts or that they might get violent towards her and spoiler alert but also if you look it up anyway you'll see it um very tragically it's revealed at the end that she was um murdered oh yes and First that, but every uh, also oh here's a fun story. Another one of the kind of cool queens that appears in the documentary um, by the name of Dorian Corey. Um, it's it's not revealed in the documentary, but it's a re- it's a really kind of like fun little, it's an interesting little story that um, well after she died, um, she had a friend of hers clean out her her belongings of her apartment and go through all her stuff and see what she wanted to keep, what she wanted to give away and this and that mm-hmm. closet. And there's a, a bag in there and her friend thought, Oh, this is a dress and I'm going to keep it. It's going to be a fabulous ball gown. And so she opens it up and like soda tabs like spill out. And there is a mummified body. Whoa. Oh, whoa. <laughs> in the closet. Whoa. Oh wow. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> So, yeah, right? <laughs> talk about skeletons in the closet, eh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, um, there's a, and there's also actually a YouTube um, channel person. That, Ask a mortician? Uh, Ask a mortician, yes. And yes. she talks about the skeleton in the drag queen's closet. And she goes into the possible reasons why it was there. Like, it may not necessarily have been a person that Dorian murdered. But it could have been just like maybe an accident or like maybe some other outside factors. And as a person of color who who isn't really like well off with the police already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or who the police might decide to discriminate against you based on gender and orientation and race. You can't really come and say, hey, I found this dead body. Yeah. Because they might go. Yeah. Murdered them. So it's, it's there's that, but um, the film is back to the film. <laughs> but the film is, <laughs> it's just it's very wonderful and just learning about all the different people in it and just like what their world is like, and you get like a peek into that. And it's not like um oh what's the word? They're not um. Oh, what's the word? Exploited, oh. or is that what you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, it's not like exploitative, or more mm-hmm. like oh, well, or like shock factory. It's more just kind of like here's here's things, here's da 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 da. Like this is how it is, and this is like the truth of things, mm-hmm. and this and that, and how they kind of build families because they're exiled from their own families just for wanting to be who they are, and it's a wonderful sense of like it gives you a sense of community and belonging that was present within that community. And it's just, it's beautiful. It is yeah, an amazing that's, documentary. Yeah. That's awesome. And I don't know if anybody else here watches. Um, that just makes me think of the, the show pose. Yes. yes. So yeah, that's, and that's, that's a great show that, that um, it's about that community as well and talks. It, that's just, it, that's just a beautiful, beautiful show. So Oddly enough, yeah. that I so I had friends recommend the show Pose to me, and mm-hmm. I watched the first two episodes, and I was like, I don't really get like 
where this is or what this is. So that's when I went back and watched Paris is Burning okay. so that I could understand the culture and the like the ballroom scene that this was set in. So before you watch Pose, if you're not familiar with this, yeah. this segment of history, go check out Paris is Burning. <laughs> yeah. And if you would like to see other fun um LGBTQ plus uh, cult films. Give a look at Priscilla Queen. Yes, I yes. love that movie. I yes. was just gonna say that, and uh, Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. That, Yay! That is <laughs> my home state of Nebraska. Funny thing, I actually that was ever my first ever introduction to um, Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes. <laughs> oh really? Oh, really? <laughs> that was my first oh they're fabulous oh these drag queens are great and then it was revealed to me that they are not drag queens (laughs) (laughs) and then i was like what one's an action star and the other one was in ghosts Ghosts? yeah and 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 he was also patrick swayze was also in some action movies too so yeah Yeah. because that was my first introduction to those to uh john leguizamo patrick swayze and uh, wesley snipes but the movie is great. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Give give me road tripping drag queens and makeovers. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Priscilla. Priscilla is. I think Priscilla is such a beautiful film. That's a that's a really really good one. It does a really good job of getting real and then pulling Mm -hmm. back and like going there and then putting you like making you see things from their perspective and then pulling back. Mm -hmm. So like. yeah um i I will bring this up since you know we're talking about cult films and what makes these movies so special and why they get a a following so i am originally from nebraska nebraska is not the first place that you would think would embrace a film about drag queens um but to wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar is filmed in nebraska And in fact, the small town that they end up in is the same town that my husband's grandparents lived in. They actually had to haul in dirt to make the road. They hauled in gravel for that. They actually built buildings in the town (laughs) because the town itself was so small. So uh, I actually grew up like this was a cult favorite in nebraska i i feel like you know at least to me growing up and this might be a misperception um more so than maybe some other places outside of nebraska for a while and it's because even though the subject of drag queens especially in rural communities or some you know communities of nebraska would not have been very accepted there was this hometown pride of this was filmed in Nebraska. That's the Elkhorn Railroad. This is, I know where that, that I know where they're driving through in Omaha right now. That's just outside of Lincoln that made everybody really love it. And so mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends that were from otherwise rather conservative families that were like, oh, yeah, of course you should watch Tu Wong Fu. That's that's a great movie because, you know, it's in Nebraska. They're in Nebraska, <laughs> which you wouldn't think Nebraska should take pride in that, like the the homophobic small town sheriff that uh, tries to assault the drag queens is 
You know what career girls want? Careers? <laughs> Careers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> huh. Anyway, I have to throw that out as part of my, my love for that movie. <laughs> no, that's 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 great. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. This is what uh, I love about cult films. Yes. People different people can identify with them and mm-hmm. we can like bring communities together and be like a sort of pride a sense bring a sense of pride for some groups of people and they're just really just great hey that's the end of part one of cult films um like i said part two should be dropping either thursday or friday um and until then please make sure to follow the show on facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on twitter at fandom thing pod no it's in that one on instagram at it's a fandom thing pod um you can send us an email if you'd like at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com and be sure to follow us on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you listen um and rate and review us on apple podcasts each review does help us get listeners so really appreciate it um, Um, And until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Thanks, guys.